Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're continuing our Top 10 Prospects podcast series today with the Atlanta Braves. And to do that, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Carlos Colazzo. Carlos, good to have you on, brother. Thanks for having me on, Kyle. We're uh, talking a really exciting farm system today with the Braves. But uh, no, it's good to be here. It's good to talk prospects. Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so I I feel like we need to get this out of the way, Um, you know, consider it a parental advisory warning um <laughs> this system it, it is ugly there's not a lot of talent in it right now but it's for all the right reasons and it's really not a concern in any way shape or form so mm-hmm. first and foremost before we dive into the system i feel like we do need to address the fact that the braves have developed a tremendous amount of talent brought it up through their farm system and that's why they are where they are five straight division titles won the 2021 world series I mean, you go down the list, Ronald Acuna, Austin Riley, Ozzie Albies, last year the top two Rookie of the Year finishers, and Michael Harris Jr. and Spencer Strider, William Contreras, who's since been traded but was a homegrown all-star catcher. Dansby Swanson was acquired as a prospect in a trade, but mm-hmm. came up through their farm system, blossomed into a standout. He's now left in free agency. But it's just been the steady line of tremendous talent coming up through their farm system. Not to mention pitching side, Max Fried, again, acquired as a local prospect came up through their system, graduated from it, is now one of the best left-handers in the game. So they've done everything right. The reason their farm system is depleted is because they've graduated a ton of talent from what was the top-ranked farm system in the game two years in a row. They've traded some other prospects, particularly this offseason, and even mm-hmm. just past years as well, going and getting Matt Olson from, uh, from the A's, for example. Uh, they've made some more moves this offseason, going and getting Sean Murphy. So obviously when you graduate that much talent and trade a lot more there's not going to be a whole lot left in the farm system but again the point is to win games at the major league level the braves have done that in spades as i mentioned earlier five straight division titles won a world series and what's important is it's a young core that's locked up long term so the braves have time to kind of backfill this system so even though when our organization talent rankings come out again without giving it away they're going to be very, very, very low in our org talent rankings. Yeah, wink, wink. <laughs> it's okay, Braves fans, take a breath. It's not an issue. Um, but as we go through and talk about this farm system and how lean it is, please keep that context in mind of it's okay, it's not a problem. The Braves did everything right, and now it's just time to backfill it. Yeah, I think you summed it up really well. I mean, I think the Braves uh, under Alex Anthopoulos, who is our executive of the year in 2022, have really become one of the model franchises in the game, just in terms of uh, on-field product at the major league level. You mentioned their success in the National League East, which is only becoming a more competitive division. Scouting and development, savvy trades, savvy free agent moves. I think what's really key here is, is to your point, you don't need a ton of high-impact reinforcements anytime soon from this farm system because the Braves have done such a good job of developing homegrown young stars who are now under control 
through really most of this decade. I mean, through 2027, I think the Braves are looking at a core of uh, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, Ronald Cooney Jr., and Ozzie Albies. I mean, that's an enviable young core of controlled stars. I mean, really, all of these guys have, have all-star potential, and the fact that you can make your core... Uh, build up your core in the way that they did with none of those players coming from the free agent market, extending them to team-friendly deals um, by most people's points of view. I mean, that's a it's a very way to build a sustainable winning product. Yes, like you said, the the farm system is, is the worst it's been in years now because of that. But to your point, it's bad for all the right reasons. And I think another key as well is the Braves have, have done a pretty good job of identifying which players to keep and which players to trade. I remember a few years ago, Michael Harris, Shea Langoliers, and Christian Pache, I was having a lot of conversations with people who viewed them as a top three in some order. It was really difficult to figure out how they needed to rank. We ended up going with Michael Harris number one, which feels good because that was definitely the right call in hindsight. Uh, but the Braves identified that as well. They kept Harris, they pushed him aggressively, and they traded the other two players to bring in some impact established big league players. So I think Having a good understanding of their scouting, their player development on the pitching and hitting side. I mean, Atlanta's pitching development gets a lot of credit, as it should. Uh, but their hitting development has has been sneaky good as well. And maybe not sneaky at this point with some of the, the players that they've turned out. But, uh, yeah, the farm system right now, if you're looking at it without that major league context, it is not pretty. But we can talk about some of the players who maybe will be interesting in a few years. And one thing to keep in mind as we talk about this is no farm system is ever truly empty. I remember going back and looking at 15 years of farm system data, and I found that even the very worst farm systems in baseball, the lowest of the low over that period, still averaged about two future all-stars in their system. So hmm. no system is ever truly empty. And we've seen with the Braves, too, to your point, you know, guys who were highly ranked have turned out. Again, Ronald Acuna, Ozzie Albies, more recently Michael Harris, all guys who are Top, not just top 100 prospects, but top 50 prospects in baseball. Yeah. Austin Riley, again, they've turned out really well. But they've also had some guys who are a little bit lower. I think about a guy like Vaughn Grissom, who was in their top 10 last year, but it was toward the back of the top 10, was seen as more of an interesting guy. And he stormed his way really quickly up the minors to the majors, hit pretty well as a second baseman, uh, replacing Albies when Albies was out with injuries. And now mm -hmm. he's set to be the Braves' open base shortstop. So the Braves have done a good job. They're hitting on their star prospects, but they're also getting contributions from guys who, you know, were considered good prospects, but maybe not impact players. The Braves have helped develop them into more than what most people thought they were going to be. Yeah, I think Spencer Strider might even be the best example of that. I mean, he was a fourth round pick in the shortened 2020 draft. I don't even think we had him on the BA 500 at the time coming out of the draft. And if you look at that class in hindsight, I mean, Spencer Strider looks like one of the best players taken in the entire draft, not, not just... The fourth round, like but been one one right now. <laughs> exactly. I mean that that draft class doesn't look outstanding right now. There's still time. Obviously, we'll see what happens. But that was a phenomenal scouting identification, and I think they should get a lot of credit for the pitching development as well because he doesn't have a traditional starting repertoire. I know one of the big questions with him um, from external evaluators was, can he be a starter with just a two pitch mix? Um, and the Braves have shown that yeah, if if you have two elite pitches like he does. You just put them over the over the plate consistently. You can be a starter uh, and succeed, but maybe you have to have seventy uh, a seventy or better fastball and slider to succeed with just a two pitch mix. But so far, it's been it's been very good for for Spencer Strider and for the Braves. So as we dive into this farm system, there's always a possibility that some of these guys are going to jump forward and and be better than expected, especially in an organization like the Braves who have such a good development system. 
Carlos, when we released our top 10 list, Kyle Muller was the number one <laughs> prospect in the Brave system. And yeah. in a few short weeks, he was traded to the A's as uh, the headliner in the package that brought Sean Murphy to Atlanta. So now the Braves' number one overall prospect is A.J. smith Shaver, who has certainly shown some explosive, explosive stuff. Yep. Um, he is also a young right-hander in the lowest levels of the minors with very real control issues. Um, mm -hmm. This is not someone who would <laughs> typically be a number one prospect in, in really any other farm system. Uh, again, big stuff, but a 5'11 ERA and more than five walks per nine in low A um, you know, as an indicator of some of the things he has to work on. And again, he mm -hmm. wasn't a top, top guy out of the draft either, seventh round high school pick. So mm -hmm. certainly a good pitcher, not typically a guy, I should say a, a good arm and a promising pitcher in some ways, not mm -hmm. typically a guy you see as the number one prospect in any farm system. Um, but given just the state of the Brave system, he is now their number one prospect. What do you see out of him? What do evaluators see? And, and realistically, what are we looking at here in terms of ultimate role? Again, long way away. Everything has to click. Yeah, I think uh, to your point, it, it is not the the typical number one prospect. AJ smith Shaver is certainly not a player who's going to be on many top 100 lists entering the season. I think there's a chance he could get there. Um, but the fact that you have a player like smith Shaver who is as far away as he is and had the season that he had as the number one player, I think is... Uh, it's kind of telling about the state of the farm system. Now, that said, um, I've heard a lot of really good things about the pure stuff smith Shaver has. I think even with Cal Muller, uh, if we were still including him and counting him, I think you could say that smith Shaver had the best pure upside and maybe best pure arm talent in this farm system. And then the Braves still do have a lot of pitchers uh, that have some intriguing stuff. So that's saying something. Um, but really, you're banking on a lot of refinements and improvement with his control, with his delivery, um, he's a very athletic player who is still kind of learning the nuances of pitching, but at his best, it's a mid-90s fastball that peaks at 98 with exceptional life, great carry up in the zone. It's got cut and run at times, and in the lower levels of the minors especially, when he was putting that over the plate, um, it was an overpowering pitch, and he, he could succeed with just that fastball alone. On top of that, he's got an upper 80s slider that has fantastic bite. Um, it's been a pitch that's described as as double plus at its best as well. Again, he's going to need to develop more feel for that pitch. I think he's probably going to be a heavy fastball slider guy moving forward. He's got to change up that. That shows some good shape. But again, it's just about adding more feel for him, more consistency, throwing strikes more often, uh, because the stuff is, is fairly overwhelming. And it's just a matter of how much can he harness that? And is he going to project as a starter once he kind of gets into the upper levels of the minors and starts facing more advanced hitters who he can't just blow away um, without some semblance of better feel for command and sequencing and control. Yeah, again, super young, a lot of room to grow still, but generally speaking, how do evaluators see kind of that start relief? You know, if you had to put percentages on it, what does it look like right now? Yeah, I'm hesitant to say with any confidence now after Spencer Strider a year ago, and I think there are going to be maybe some Spencer Strider comparisons just because he is a fastball slider heavy guy. The third third pitch isn't uh, established at this point, but I think people who are optimistic about Smith Shaver will point to his athleticism uh, as something that can help him kind of iron out the control and, and rein in the delivery a little bit as he um, just adds more time and adds more innings under his belt. I think it's probably around 50-50 at this point, and a lot of that will just depend on how deep the opportunities are for him in the future, or how deep the starting pitching is for the Braves when he kind of matriculates up towards the major leagues. Um, 
I could really see it going either way. He certainly has the stuff to just put him in the bullpen um, and let him dominate. But I think the Braves are going to still develop him as a starter moving forward until he kind of forces himself out of that role. Carlos, the system is very pitcher heavy in general. Um, Again, pre John Murphy trade and other deals, nine of the top 10 prospects as you rank them in the system were pitchers. Muller's gone. Smith Schauber moves to the front of that list. How clear was it that he is the best of this really almost exclusively group of pitchers? Because the, the one position player in the top 10 was Justin Henry Malloy. He's since been yeah. traded to the Tigers. So it's a very pitcher heavy system. How clear cut was it that Smith Schauber is the best of these arms? Um, I think you could make a case for some other players if you wanted. The, the pitchers behind Smith Schauber certainly have more polish now, and that includes both of the 2022 high school pitcher draftees that they just added to the system in Owen Murphy and J.R. Ritchie. Uh, I think if you really preferred safety over risk, you could even make a case for Jared Schuster being ahead of A.J. smith Shaver because he doesn't have near the upside uh, that smith Shaver has. He doesn't have a single double-plus pitch on his scouting card, but he is a guy who's pitched in the, at the AAA level. Most people think he's a very high-likely MLB pitcher in some capacity, back-end starter, middle reliever upside. So I think depending on your risk tolerance and your your preference of profiles, you could make a case for three other people to be in front if you wanted to. I think for me and for with all of the conversations I had with scouts, both inside and outside of the organization, the excitement about Smith Shaver and his pure upside gave him the edge uh, because he is still really young and there are a lot of things to like about him. Um, even with some of the warts that he currently has on his resume. Um, but I think it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's very clear or very obvious that he's the guy and the fact that we have three other pitchers that you could make a case for, I think just makes it more of a muddled mix at the top now. One of the interesting things about the Braves, we talked about their pitch and development, but one area they really kind of excelled beyond their peers is in developing high school pitchers. When you look at the mm-hmm. Guardians, uh, can seem like the gold standard of a pitcher development. For yeah. the most part, mostly college guys that they developed and really got to higher levels. Even the Dodgers as well. Again, it's it's been a little bit of both, but you know, again, a lot of them are college guys too, and you know, their high school track record's better than average, but there's still plenty of misses in there. You look at the Braves, one of the things that's really jumped out is they went really heavy on high school arms around the middle of last decade, and they developed them really, really, really well. Again, you look at a guy like an Ian Anderson, you look at a guy, again, Max Schreiber was acquired in a trade, but for all intents and purposes, they developed him. Um, they had a lot of high school arms, which is a very risky demographic, and mm-hmm. developed them really, really well, had a much higher success rate with them than almost any other organization. And as I look at what's left in the system now, you mentioned Smith Schauber. You mentioned their top two picks this year, Owen Murphy and J.R. Ritchie. You know, three of their top four are high school pitchers. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the organization you, you trust it most to kind of develop and work out as much as you can for this very risky demographic. Yeah, I think that under Brian Bridges, they were certainly not at all afraid to get into the high school pitching demographic. When he left and Dana Brown took over as kind of the head of the scouting department, they transitioned to a little bit more college heavy, especially up, up at the top. Guys like Ryan Cusick and Jared Schuster out of Wake Forest are good examples of that. But to your point, I mean, they have drafted a lot of high school pitchers. They, they'll they take high school pitchers later on in the draft, outside of 2022, obviously, when they took Murphy and J.R. Ritchie very early. But, I mean, smith Shaver is a guy who they took later on and over, uh, gave an overslot signing bonus to. So they're definitely not hesitant to give big bonuses to that demographic. I don't think there's any 
concern of the risk there, just given what they've done with pitching. And I think that you will see teams just having done the draft more and more, you, you hear about how scouts talk about their confidence in certain profiles based on the player development systems that they have in place and the success or the last lack of success they've had. It's a lot easier to feel comfortable about taking a high risk profile, like a high school right-handed pitcher uh, when you know you have the coaching staff uh, and the support staff in place in pro ball to get the most out of those players. Um, and certainly to your point, the Braves have done a great job of that. You look at, most of their their players in the top five of the system now, I mean, three of the five right now are high school right-handed pitchers. So it's risky. But at the same time, I think guys like Owen Murphy and J.R. Ritchie, they're much more advanced in terms of pure pitchers compared to a guy like A.J. Smith-Shaw. J.R. Ritchie was one of the more polished pitchers in the class, going back to his time as an underclass um, high school pitcher out of the Northwest. Owen Murphy is is another really electric athlete on the mound who was a two-way player in high school. But I think even his present feel for pitching is more advanced than Smith Chauvers was at the time he entered the Brave system. So there's a lot to work with here in terms of stuff and just general feel for these top pitchers. And then once you get further down the list, you have maybe more questions. There's some guys that have dealt with injuries uh, or have control issues or maybe more reliever profiles. But I think there is a solid core of high upside pitchers here that you can get excited about if you're a Braves fan. Uh, it just might take a year or two before you can get a real confident feel for where they're at or uh, before some of these guys maybe start popping up on top 100 lists. All right, Carlos. So I want to dive into some of those guys that are kind of yeah. beyond this top group here with you. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump right back into it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Baseball America Prospects Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by Carlos Colazzo. We're here to break down the Atlanta Braves farm system. All right, Carlos, we kind of talked about how really there were a couple different arms at the top that had a case to be the number one prospect in the system now that Kyle Muller's been traded. You're AJ Smith Schaffer. You look at, you know, Jared Schuster, if you prefer the safety and security. You have their top two picks in the 2022 draft. This is kind of the top tier of the system, if you will, this clear top four and all of whom in some way, shape, or form have a case to be in different orders up in that top mm -hmm. four. 
it does feel like there's kind of a hard break after that. Justin Henry Malloy and Robert Salinas were next in line. Both of them have since been traded. Then you kind of get into a group of pitchers who have certainly shown some things and and given belief that they can pitch in the major leagues, but by no means guys who project to be, you know, super, super impactful players. Take us through this next group, Darius Vines, Freddie Tarnock, Dylan Dodd. What kind of arms are we talking about here in terms of what they could potentially give the Braves in the coming years? Yeah, we'll start with Vines. I think a lot of these guys are interesting pitchers who are still pretty close to the big leagues. So you could get some proximity here just in terms of help um, in the rotation if there are injuries or in the bullpen, depending on the team need. So a guy like Darius Vines is is a player who had good feel, um, good control overall. And then the question prior to 2022 was, was he going to miss enough bats against upper minors hitters? He had a great 2021 season, and, and the question was just how much stuff is he really going to have? Well, he proved that he could miss bats in the upper minors in 2022. Um, he posted 3.77 ERA, struck out more than 10 per nine, still walked a solid rate, 2.6 per nine. Uh, and I think with him, he's taken a step forward and maybe developed the best changeup in the system. Um, I've got a 65 grade on that pitch right now. Uh, it's pretty phenomenal in terms of depth and movement and separation from the fastball, but also he has fantastic command for the pitch. He threw it for strikes more than 70% of the time in 2022. So while he's not the hardest thrower that you'll see, he's more 90, 92, touching 94, 95 with good carry. He does have a, a real out pitch in this changeup. And the Rays do have a couple of pitchers. I would include Schuster as well, who maybe don't have the most explosive stuff, but have really good weapons in their changeups that I think could still be a weapon. Vines would be a guy like that. I think you also have to feel pretty confident about his ability to start just given the control and command he has for his three pitch mix. Um, so you can feel pretty good about him. If you move further down the list, a guy like Dylan Dodd is one of the bigger risers in this system. He's a 24 year old or he's coming off of his 24 year old season um, pushed to AAA after starting the year in high A uh, he is another guy who's more control-oriented than pure stuff. He establishes the fastball for strikes very consistently, and I think that allows his slider and his changeup to play up a little bit. He's a guy who threw his fastball for strikes uh, 73% of the time, I believe, which is a, a pretty elite rate. Again, it's not an overpowering pitch. It's 91, 92, touching a 95, um, solid carry, nothing explosive or anything like that. But he's a guy who probably has the best control in the system right now. Um, I put plus grades on his control moving forward, and it's another one where not the most explosive stuff, not the highest upside, but you look at what he's done, you look at the touch and feel, you look at the control, the results in the upper levels, and I think he can feel pretty good about having a contributor to the major league level in some capacity that you can feel relatively safe about. Yeah, Vines and Don have been starters pretty much throughout their minor league careers. Do they project mm -hmm. to be stars in the major leagues, especially with the rotation as, as good as the Braves potentially, or is it more swingman long relief? Yeah, I think in a vacuum, both these guys would project to be back-end starters. Um, obviously, it depends on the team that you're on, whether you're going to get the opportunity to start. Injuries always happen. We always say you can never have enough pitching. So they'll get every opportunity to start at the big league level if those innings come open. I think they're polished enough and and maybe the stuff can can tick up in shorter um, appearances out of the bullpen that they'd still be effective in maybe a long relief type role or a middle relief role. They don't have the sort of pitch profiles that you would put towards a high reliever bullpen role by any means. Um, so I think it's just going to depend on, on what the Braves need them for. 
they have most of their value as a starting pitcher, obviously. So if they can fill that role, then great. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me either if the Braves continued to trade from this area of depth. We saw that this past offseason already. There are some pitchers like Kyle Muller, who I think has a chance to start uh, with Oakland now, but maybe he wouldn't have gotten that opportunity. If there are other teams who think these pitchers can start for them, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Braves just kind of continued to trade away from some of this pitching depth um, and fill other holes. So I think they could be used in a variety of ways, both pitching for the Braves and potentially as as trade candidates. Yeah, and again, the Braves are in a great spot. There's always teams who need pitching out there. And Mm -hmm. again, even farm systems that aren't particularly deep or don't have a ton of premium talent at the top, there's always guys you can trade that other teams will value. There's always guys who can come up and help in some form or fashion. So Mm -hmm. there's no question that even as we talk about this Braves farm system being pretty lean, pretty light, mm-hmm. there's always options. And and you're right. These are two guys who you can see them doing a few different things for you, whether it becomes yeah. again, in a trade for someone, you know, even if it's just a utility backup piece, just something that can help, or maybe they do soak up some innings for you. And as we all know, over the course of a long season, there's always injuries. There's always times where you need someone to just soak up some innings for you and helps the team long-term. I do want to get into the position players on this system because we've talked about with Justin Henry Malloy being traded, uh, he was the only position player in their top 10 and now yeah. he's gone. So who is now the best position player in this Braves farm system? Um, I'm looking around, Kyle. I don't really see many hitters in this system. So, I mean, I think the default answer would be Braden Shoemake or Cal Conley. Um, those are the guys who are, at least are in the upper levels of the minors both are playing shortstop. I think both could play shortstop at the big league level um, in some capacity, but neither project as everyday players. And I think this is where we get into the reasons for the Brave system being in such a poor state currently. There's just no there's no impact hitter who you can confidently look at and say, this guy has a chance to be an everyday player. I think even with Justin Henry Malloy, there was some question about whether or not he profiled best as a platoon corner outfielder uh, or an everyday player. He, he certainly had um, the most offensive upside that that the system could provide, but he's not here anymore. So now you've got Shoemake and Conley, two guys who aren't ever going to be big sluggers. I think Shoemake has a tick more power, maybe below average power. Cal Conley is a guy who's really contact-oriented, speed-oriented. Uh, but to Conley's credit, he did have a very strong season. Um, he got better reviews for his defensive work. Um, for his offensive ability, just in terms of pure pure contact, getting on base, being a spark plug. Um, and the fact that he, he looked better at shortstop this year, I think is a, uh, a point towards his profile because previously there are questions about whether he would fit best at second. Um, but m- both of these guys, I think you're looking at players who can fill in in a bench role, maybe be a utility role, or profile as more regular um second division starters and the Braves certainly aren't a second division team right now uh, so how useful they are for the team is just going to depend on do they have any more in the tank offensively Shoemaker has been a guy who going back to college scouts have been wanting him to pack on more weight to his lanky frame add some more power he still hasn't done that the exit velocities are okay so I could see him still taking a step forward but I wouldn't have a lot of confidence that he would he would turn into a first division starting shortstop right now and it would be great if he was that player because i think maybe the biggest hole on atlanta's team right now is shortstop i don't know that von grissom is a natural defensive shortstop there's a chance that ron washington can help him kind of work into that role and maybe he 
exceeds expectations like a number of Braves prospects have done. Uh, maybe he is that guy, but right now there's no obvious long-term solution for the Dansby Swanson exit this offseason. Um, and it's unfortunate when you look at your best position players, they are playing shortstop and they just don't seem like those guys. Yeah, that certainly is a hole that needs to be filled in. And you do raise the point that if Vaughn Grissom goes out there and just isn't able to hold it down, mm-hmm. there isn't really a, many other options in the organization right now. Yeah. And that's and that could really hamstring the Braves potentially. So we'll see what they're able to do there. And, and Braden Shoemake did get to AAA last year. I think the encouraging thing is he performed better at AAA last year than he did at AA the year before. So if mm-hmm. nothing else, you know, trending upward a little bit, average went up on base went up over 50 points or over 40 points, excuse me. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's some positives there, but you're right. For the most part, you look at him and Cal Colony, guys hitting in the two fifties with sub three twenty on base percentages and the minors just don't become everyday stars in the big leagues. It's not they're you know, it's an indication of their mm-hmm. offense limitations. So we'll see with that. Again, this is a very arms driven system in terms yeah. of talent is left. Um, I think there is there is one interesting hitter who I'll just mention. I don't know if you're planning on getting into him later, but I think now is is as good a time as any to bring him up. But Ignacio Alvarez is a sleeper in this system. Uh, Riverside Junior College. Yeah, Riverside Junior College. He, he's not again. We'll we'll see if the Braves just. This is another example of them being on a guy who the industry wasn't on at the same level. Um, but he was an overslot player in the fifth round for them. They signed him to a five hundred thousand bonus his nickname is nacho which is pretty cool um but he just had a very strong pro debut and i think put himself into sleeper or pop-up consideration entering the 2023 season just considering what he did i heard a lot of good things uh from the braves about ignacio prior to or, or i should say after he was selected and i was just trying to dig on him and get a little bit more information they were really high on him both as a defender at third base, I think he's got a chance to be an above-average defender there with an above-average arm. And I think what maybe separated Atlanta's conviction and Alvarez compared to most other teams, at least that I had talked to pre-draft about him, was just their conviction in his offensive ability. And in the early returns in his pro debut, it was a 30-game sample. Um, he hit 287, 451, 394 in rookie ball and low A with Augusta as a 19-year-old. I think the encouraging... Um, elements you would look at for him are the pure contact rate and the chase rate. Uh, his his ability to control the zone is very impressive for a 19-year-old in his first taste in pro ball, even if it's the lower levels of the minors. The bat-to-ball skills now might be some of the better pure bat-to-ball skills in the system. Uh, guys like Luke Waddell, who's further down, I think you can make a case for as well. But there are just some intriguing hitting traits with him. He's also a player who maybe can grow into a little bit more strength, improve the power, Similar to maybe Von Grissom, a guy who has a lot of feel for the zone, has some feel for the barrel, and now just needs to learn to hit with impact and elevate a little bit more consistently. But I think if you're looking at a hitter who maybe can project to be an everyday player, Ignacio is is maybe one of the most interesting players to do that just because he's got tools. He even played a little bit of shortstop. I'm curious to see how, how much he'll play moving forward there because most people viewed him as a a really good third baseman, but if, if he can play shortstop, then that's even better. Uh, but we'll see how he hits in his first full pro season in 2023. I think he's one of the more intriguing lower-level bats in this system right now. Yeah, no, he's a really interesting case. Uh, obviously, I do California in the draft for us, and having worked in Riverside prior to coming to Baseball America, I always make sure and double-check on guys from the Inland mm-hmm. Empire, 
ask scouts about that area because that's a region that tends to get overlooked, but there's a lot of talent there. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times over the course of spring I asked different area scouts, different cross-checkers, hey, is there anyone out in you know, Riverside Junior College or Mount San Jacinto or San Bernardino Valley, all the junior colleges out there? I mean, every single time the answer is <laughs> no, no one there, no one. Yeah. I mean, so Alvarez was not on our California rankings anywhere. And I dug deep on, hey, is there anyone in the Inland Empire? Is there anyone in the junior college levels worth writing about or ranking? And the answer yeah. is consistently no. The Braves were really the only team who were really on him and were clearly very on him. And after he was drafted, I immediately sent off a bunch of, bunch of texts to different area scouts said, hey, who is this guy? Yeah. He back to me and said, you know, if you like him, here's what you see. But most teams didn't even have him turned in. They just mm-hmm. felt because he was playing very poor competition. Um, junior college baseball in California has sadly taken many, many, many steps back, and it's pretty poor right now. Mm-hmm. So from their perspective, he put up really good numbers, led Riverside to a state championship. And Riverside's a good program that has produced some big leaguers, but they just didn't see any plus tools, and he never played good competition, so they couldn't pull the trigger on it. But it's interesting how the Braves were just – so much more convicted in a lot of ways, kind of alone on an island. I, I can't, yeah. I'm telling you, a lot of teams <laughs> didn't have them turned in at all, and they went over slot in the fifth round, which just shows yeah. you how higher they were compared to everyone else in the industry. Um, the early returns were promising, so we'll see how it plays they out. Were. And and I don't think he was as off the radar as Spencer Strider. I think, I mean, Spencer Strider was a, a prominent prospect coming out of high school, but for Braves fans who, who followed the Spencer Strider thing, maybe you get excited about Ignacio potentially being another under the radar player that the Braves um, kind of dug out under under the eyes of all the other teams in the industry. Signing scout was Ryan Dobson, so maybe he's onto something there. Uh, but I think there are some players who you you see that were underrated or just kind of questionable at the time. Evan Carter is maybe the most prominent example right now for the Rangers. When he was drafted, I asked around and teams were like, "Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what the what the Rangers are thinking with this one." And then. Evan Carter now looking like a top 50 prospect in baseball. So we'll see with Ignacio. Obviously, he still has a long ways to go. He's only just started his career, but um, certainly one of the more fascinating prospects right now in the system. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of leads me into what I wanted to wrap up with. Who are some guys lower in the system that you know you do think could pop? You mentioned Ignacio Alvarez. Um, there are some good arms in the system. The Braves have done a good mm-hmm. job developing pitching. Is there anyone you have in the in the lower half of the system that – you know, right now you can't quite pull the trigger on, but there's enough there that you could see them popping in the next year or two. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know that I even have to go to the the back half. There's some interesting players, really. Once you get outside of the top ten, that have questions, but also I think some upside. I would start with Cole Phillips and Spencer Schwellenbach. Um, Cole Phillips, Phillips, excuse me, is a high school right-hander drafted out of Texas. He was blowing up early in the spring earning some early Shane Boz comps because of his physicality and the life of his fastball and breaking ball. He was getting early first round buzz, um, then had Tommy John surgery that deflated the helium a little bit, ended his season. But this would be kind of a prime Braves pick that you can get excited about because they've just done such a great job developing these talented arms. The stuff is tremendous. He's got a chance for a double plus fastball if he comes back healthy. Spencer Schwellenbach was drafted in 2021 in the second round, and, and at the time, or I think shortly after he was drafted, he needed surgery, um, so he still hasn't really pitched in pro ball at all. We're still kind of going off of the promise he showed as a two-way player with Nebraska when he was kind of casually walking to the mound as a closer um, and touching 98-99 after playing shortstop for the entire game. Another guy who's got 
interesting secondaries as well and and really surprisingly good control at the time in college for a a player who was primarily a shortstop and a hitter and really didn't ever focus on pitching i always like seeing these profiles in atlanta system just because of their track record so those would be two guys that are interesting in general and hopefully 2023 is when we get a little bit more feel for who they really are Another player of this same mold is Adam Meyer, who was drafted in 2022 in the seventh round. Another overslot signee. I think he got just over a million dollars. So that tells you how much the Braves like his pure talent. He was one of the, um, I guess, the pitchers I was most looking to see during the spring because he popped up in the Cape Cod League in the summer of 2021. Then he transferred into Oregon and was expected to be their Friday night starter. He ended up having surgery on his elbow. Not Tommy John. It was a... A surgery to kind of put a brace to stabilize his UCL. Um, so he's rehabbing from that. He's got a fastball that's a solid pitch, really a ground ball heavy inducing pitch with really good secondaries. He's he's thrown a high spin slider that has a chance to be above average. His changeup is another pitch that has a chance to be above average. And just the price tag alone makes that one interesting, just given what the Braves clearly think of him. Um, so those are three pitchers. I think another player that I'm just looking to get more clarity on, and there are a number of players, or not a number, but several players like this in the Brave system, and that'd be their recent international signees. Um, Ambiorvis Tavares, a shortstop who was signed out of the Dominican Republic in 2021. And then I would say there are two more, Geraldo Quintero, another shortstop, and Diego Benitez. Those are a trio of middle infielders who we don't have a ton of feel for now. They're only just getting started with their pro career. Some of them haven't even come stateside yet. Um, Those are all players with tools who have some pedigree going back to their international days who, if they can really just show a little bit more, we can get more information on them. Scouts can see them a little bit more often. Uh, It wouldn't be surprising for them to shoot up depending on their 2023 season. So those would be some players that I'm looking out for who, who maybe could pop and make this system a little bit more interesting. Yeah, and again, you know, that's another thing we have to keep in mind here is the Braves were banned from international signings for two years following uh, the revelations of the international signing scandal. And they're just getting back into it and just starting yeah. to sign players again. So that's something else that will help get the system back up to par. However, we're talking about 16-year-olds. It's going to take a few years. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as we know, if you have three really good international prospects, you're kind of hoping one hits. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, we'll that's see what batting happens. average. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, again, that's part of it. And they're back in that game now. And uh, we'll see if it's, you know, something they're able to really find some standouts from. We saw them do it with Ronald Acuna, you know, Ozzy Albies, again, productive signing. They've had success in that market before. So we'll see what they're able to do. Carlos, uh, just as we wrap up here, any final thoughts on the Braves system, overall assessments and, and thoughts moving forward, what to watch for? Yeah, I guess you just point your eyes towards the lower levels, see if there are any guys who pop in the next year or two. Um, And and while the system is one of the worst in baseball, and I I would say it's probably the worst in baseball right now, I think even with that, there are some interesting arms that that maybe can make an impact on the big league team in 2023. Guys like Jared Schuster, guys like Darius Vines, guys like Dylan Dodd, even Blake Burkhalter, who we didn't talk about a ton, Jared Schuster. These are all pitchers who I think it wouldn't surprise me if they had some impact on the big league team. And when you're talking about a team that's probably a top three to four, maybe just top five to be safe talent team in the big leagues, um, you don't necessarily need to get a home run impact player to, to, to allow you to have success. I think they're going to be a successful team at the big leagues. 
They've got a few reinforcements still at the upper levels. And then beyond that, it'll just be, can the Braves continue this uh, scouting and player development system or or factory, I should say, that they've really established themselves as? Uh, and I don't know why you wouldn't have confidence in that, given what they've done over the past decade and even going back beyond that. So it's not the sexiest farm system, but the major league team is in good shape. So I think it's uh, it's it's a moment to it's a chance to to look at the lower levels and maybe hunt for some some players who are under the radar or not the highest pedigree and just see what they can do with them. Yeah. And like you said, what matters is what happens in the major leagues. They've got a great team. They have enough guys to help reinforce, patch some holes as needed. They don't need a ton of help. So the Braves are in great shape. The farm system just needs a few years to build back up and we'll see uh, how the Braves are able to do that effectively. But there's a lot of reason to believe given everything they've shown that they'll do it and we'll do it well. Carlos, thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure having you as always. Thanks, Kyle. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever platform you're listening or watching on. For Carlos Colazzo, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Have a good one, everybody.